0: Well, we're almost at Christmas time, everybody. Are you excited? We have our Christmas Eve Eve service coming up, so make sure that you are inviting friends and families. We're going to have a wonderful time. It's on Saturday, so there's no church on Sunday. Say, no church on Sunday. It's the one time a year you might be able to say that. We don't say that very often, but we want you to come Saturday night on Christmas Eve, Eve, and we're going to have a wonderful time together with beautiful Christmas music and an awesome word, and they're going to read to the children the uh, Christmas story. It's just going to be a wonderful time. All right. Well, how many ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Praise God, what a beautiful spirit already today. Just a beautiful, precious anointing. And I am on uh, week two of talking about some Christmas carols. And today, you probably know what I'm talking about talking about Away in the Manger. And uh, what a beautiful way to have the little kids open up. There's a lot of history on Away in a Manger, so I'm not going to go through all the ins and outs. I never knew it was such a complicated song as far as who wants to claim the rights to it. Um, But we know that it's still here. But from what we do know, it was first published in 1885. It comes from a Lutheran Sunday School curriculum. Isn't that pretty awesome? And they put it in little children's books um, for school and families to read and sing the song. It was believed that Martin Luther wrote the song in um, around 18 or 1540, something like that. Um, but that came out to not be true. And they feel that it originated from a German Lutherans in Pennsylvania. So pretty awesome history that it has amen so we're going to look at a little bit of a way in a major today and there's one part of the song that I really want to teach today and uh, it's going to be a message this morning that's probably going to challenge us a little bit it might step on our toes so just tuck them back a little bit keep them safe but how many know sometimes we need the word to challenge us We need the Word of God to really uh, just almost just kind of prod us a little bit and get us back on track where we need to be. And so I'm going to be talking about a phrase in that um, beautiful song, Away in a Manger, No Crib for His Head. And the part that I'm going to focus on, it says, Little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. And we're gonna talk about the word Lord there. And we're gonna really emphasize that at the very beginning when we hear about Jesus, they immediately call him Lord. And I think it's so important that we as believers that we understand what that means. What does it mean that he is our Lord? So my first point this morning is Jesus is Lord. And over 740 times you will find the Lord in the New Testament. So it's something powerful that I believe that we as believers, if we could get a revelation of him not just being baby Jesus, because how many are so thankful for our baby Jesus that was born into the world, but we need to really understand what it means to make him the Lord of our life. And I think that's missing a lot in the body of Christ. We've received Jesus, we received the salvation, but maybe we don't really understand what it means to make him Lord. So we're going to look into some of those um, things this morning that I think will help and challenge us. So the very first mention at the Savior's birth, he is called Lord. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. And it says this, "'Do not be afraid,' but the angel said to them, "'Do not be afraid. "'I bring you good news of great joy, "'which shall be to all people.' Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Now, I want to stop there. This has been a long-awaiting prophecy for centuries that they have been waiting for, and they finally got the good news. How many look forward to good news in your life? You finally got the miracle. You finally got the the good phone call or the good report, and they've been waiting on this birth of the prophesied Son of God, and finally they're bringing the good news. And the first thing that they say is this. He is Christ the Lord. My, my version says Christ, the Lord. And I want to look at the word Lord there because it has powerful meaning. And the translation of the word Lord says this, the one who was, who is, and for, who, forever will be. We serve an eternal God, don't we? He is the ruler of heaven and of earth. But what I want to look at is another Greek part of this word, Lord. And it might challenge us a little bit this morning, but it means this. It's the Greek word um, kurios, and it means this, supreme in authority, controller. When we say controller, (sighs) some of you are like, don't control me, right? We usually have these like cat wings. Controller and Lord. But something we need to see that God in our life, when we come to him and we receive him as our savior, it's that free gift of salvation. But he also comes into our life through that free will and he becomes the Lord of our life. That means he wants control of your life. Well, God gave me a free will. Yes, he did. But he also made himself Lord of your life. He is Lord. And so this is where some of us, we kind of lose this area of our life. Like I still have, I can make my own decisions and I have my own free will and you do and you can do what you want and you can make every choice that you want. But from the birth of the son, he said, I'm coming as Lord of your life. In other words, I want to be in control of the destiny that I saw you from the beginning until the end. God said, I wrote a book about you and the hardest part of our salvation walk is making him Lord. Lord if you've served the Lord a long enough time you know that there are some tough decisions that you have to make to follow Jesus it's not always easy to make him Lord I love that get out of hell free card come on somebody give me that one don't pass go I get straight out of hell we love that card but sometimes we don't want to be messed with when it comes to our life and I have learned in my journey, in my relationship with God, to make him Lord, I have to make him at the seat of all of my attention. In other words, I'm consulting with the Lord for my choices. I'm consulting the Lord for my situations, my health, my, who I'm, who I'm going to date, who I'm going to marry, what job I may go to. There are times that you need to consult the Lord because God knows the big decisions of your life. And and you can we're going to share some scriptures today. You can make all the choices you want, but God knows your beginning to the end. And I would rather make the choices that the Lord, the one that's in control of my life, sees best for me than the ones that I want for my life. Come on somebody. I have learned that the sparkly little trail of mirage that just glimmers and looks really great is probably not God. I'm not saying for your life. I'm just saying in my experience, God's always taking me down the roads that I go. But I didn't want to do that, God. I didn't want to finish that course, God. And God's like, yeah, but I want to be Lord of your life. I know where I'm going to take you. I know what I want to do with your life. And if you will trust me, how many can look back at 20 years and go, I don't know how I got here today. Well, you do because you know you made some hard choices. You followed God. You obeyed God. You made some sacrifices. That's making him the Lord of your life. Amen? Having him be in control of your life. That word Lord there, and it may be hard to hear, but it's a person or a thing that belongs to the power of one having the ability to decide. So it's like, I wish I was gonna bring an umbrella and I totally forgot, but it's like coming under the lordship of God is like an umbrella. You can live your life any way that you want. I mean, you need to follow the Holy Spirit, right, and his conviction. But when God becomes Lord, it's like coming under his umbrella. I'm coming under his lordship. And I'm saying, God, my life is not my own. It's not about what I want or what what I desire. It's about what you want for me, God. It's about your plans for my life. It's about the heart hard choices. And some of the hardest choices I made became the greatest joy of my life. God has brought me places in this journey with him that I never thought I could ever do or be because under his lordship, he leads and guides you. If you've been serving the Lord amount of time, you've made some heartbreaking decisions to follow Jesus. And if you haven't, he may need to be Lord in some area of your life. Because if you have served him a certain amount of time, he will ask some hard things of you. I have never had a preacher say, Barb, you shouldn't be doing that. Or, Barb, you should be doing that. No, I was under his lordship. I was under his umbrella. And he says, Barb, I don't want you to go to those kind of movies anymore. Barbara, you shouldn't be listening to that kind of music. It's corrupting your soul. Not talking about legalism. It's hard things. But I like that Netflix series. (laughs) God's like, but it's full of witchcraft and I've not called you to open up your home to the spirit of witchcraft. You're to guard your heart. You're to guard your family right now. So click, Lordship says, I'm turning it off. He's in control. I have control of the remote, but I wanna submit to his Lordship. And I'm not talking about legalistic. I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit is coming and challenging our life. Maybe it's to get in the Word, get fresh rhema. Maybe it's to get back into worship. Maybe it's to get alone with Him. There are things that He's calling for you to get under His Lordship and let Him be in control. The problem with, some of you are probably in great competition with the Lord and yourself because so many of us want to be in control, don't we? And, and we're arm wrestling with the Holy Spirit, and God says, you can do it, but I would rather you let go and let you come under my lordship and my decisions and my choices because I know what's best for your life. We're going to look at a couple scripture verses. you like, prove it to me, Pastor Barb. Okay, touche. <laughs> Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. I didn't know this translation existed but it does easy english and i I wanted something that you could understand and it says this christ had the same nature as god he was completely equal with god but he did not try to keep hold of that see when jesus was in heaven he's equal with god the father He had supreme authority, but he came, and what did he do? He humbled himself and became a child. He became a man. Humility is a part of lordship. And if Jesus had to humble himself as a man under the lordship of his father, how much more should we humble ourselves under the lordship of the father? Amen? So he's giving us an example. Instead, he chose to leave heaven, he took for himself the nature of a slave. Who is he a slave to? The will of his father. Because so I only do what the father tells me to do. He became like a human. And when he lived as a man, he made himself even less important. He obeyed God completely so that he died. He even died on a cross. See, when we come into salvation with Jesus, we have to become unimportant. And I don't mean in our value, because you know I teach that, who you are in Christ and your power and authority. But I'm talking about your choices, our lifestyle. Too much, the local church has become a cultural church We we preach what the culture wants to hear. We have tickling ears. And God's like, that's not my lordship. My Holy Spirit will come and knock on the doors of your heart, and I will convict you of sin. And I will trouble your hearts for the things that trouble me. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you areas that he wants you to obey, that he wants you to lay down, that he wants you to trust him in. And I'm not just talking about areas of compromise, but even in our healing, in family relationships and the things that you are burdened with, he wants to be Lord of all. And we have this authority that is in control that all we got to do is, we've heard the saying, let go and let God. What does that mean? I just stand back, nope, I come under his umbrella. I come under his lordship. I know that he's in control when I don't feel like I have control. So what did Jesus do? He stripped himself of his glory and became man and submitted to his father. When we come into the kingdom, the greatest thing we struggle with is our own personal pride. Because we want what we want. We want it when we want it. I don't want anybody to mess with my life. I don't want the Holy Spirit to convict me. It's wrestling with our pride. And God's like, I want to strip you of that pride so that I can be God or the Lord in your life and get you to a place that's beyond your wildest imagination. It's a powerful example. So let's look at John 5, 19. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, the Son... Jesus answered them, very truly, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. That is extreme submission to God the father. We have to ask ourselves in our life, are we truly under the lordship in all the areas of our life? Do we stop and pray about the things that are very important decisions in our life? I'm not talking about what you eat and should you go on a vacation. and I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about godly, life-turning, altering decisions. Do we stop and say, Holy Spirit, is that what you want? And then you know what? I don't move unless the Holy Spirit says, yes, that's my will. And that's where we wrestle, isn't it? That's where we get uncomfortable. But I really want that. Boy, that looks so good. Ooh, that's great. That man looks pretty handsome over there, God. Woo, glory. I feel the I see the glory of the Lord on him. Sorry, this is just your pastor being human. (laughs) Or you may see a fine girl. Woo, look at her worship God over there. That looks sparkly. That looks glamorous. And the closer you get, it's a mirage. You're like, where'd that sparkle go? <laughs> You're, like, <"There's> no <laughs> You're not glowing no more. You just got ugly. Right? God, Holy Spirit will tell you. He leads you into all truth. So if you stop a minute and say, you are Lord of the situation. <clears throat> it's so dry in here somebody help me open this or bring me my little cup there that'll work say hi to your neighbor everybody (coughs) i know not to drink coffee before i come up it's too uh, dry so you stop and you ask the lord should i make this decision should i leave this job this job stinks and it's not making good money but should i leave god I'm going to consult the Lord of my life. And guess what? He sees the end of my life. So that means he sees that decision. He knows the repercussion of that decision. He knows either the great joy or the heartache if I don't listen. And I've seen so many people in my office, and we counsel them, and we we try to lead them into truth, and we'll talk about this in a minute, and they go and make the decision anyway, and everything's like, no, don't do that. Because if you talk to enough people, you hear what you want to hear. (laughs) You better get counselors in your life who will weigh it out with you, who will pray with you, who will fast with you, who will tell you hard things. I've always said, if you don't have a mentor that makes you mad, you better get a new one. Because they are not doing you any good. Some of my greatest learning experiences was when they made me mad. And I didn't want to submit to what I already knew in my still small voice. I probably shouldn't be doing anyway or what I should be doing anyway. Amen. The Holy Spirit comes as a uh, confirmation. So how do we make him Lord? I'm going to share these quick things with you. How do we make him Lord? It's very hard in a situation. Good thing we have a big screen back there. Okay, because it's small up here. But prayer, don't do anything without praying. Listen, don't do anything without prayer. Wrong decisions are made if you're not praying. Walk and pray. Walk and pray. Pray in the Holy Spirit if you have your prayer language. Walk and pray. Get in tune with the Lord. Get in tune with the Holy Spirit. It may look like good and it may look like bad. Ask the Holy Spirit. Talk to him in prayer. Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I'm going to pray about it and then I'm going to pray some more, and then I'm going to pray some more. You never stop praying until you get the answer, until you hear what God says. Number two, fasting. Fasting. There's too much to even go into here. we got lots of teachings online, but Moses fasted to seek God's direction in Exodus. He went without eating or drinking for 40 days to hear the direction of the Lord. Take fasting into your decision. And it still may look glorious to you, but you want to know that you're making the right decision of your life. Amen? Number three, seek counsel. This is where a lot of people, well, pastors don't tell me what to do. No, we don't tell you what to do. But I'll tell you, mentors are are ahead of you in the race. We've made pitfalls. We've made mistakes. And we can definitely say, hey, that in my spirit, I'll pray with you. That doesn't look good. Let's pray together. Let's fast together. Or or here's what I feel in my spirit. I've had some people in here come to me, and one precious lady in... um I won't give her name, but we met in my office and she felt led to move away. And and she it all looked right and it all felt right. And in the natural it did. And as I was praying, the Holy Spirit says, She's not supposed to move. She's not supposed to move. And I'm not a directive pastor. I won't tell you, thus says the Lord, you know. But we met in the office and I said, Well, this is just what I was feeling. I just felt like God says there's something here, there's a miracle here. If you'll just trust God, let's take it to prayer. Can we can we pray together? Can we fast together? And she said, Yes, let's do. And she heard God say, I'm going to stay. And she chose to stay. After that, God began to bless her and bless her. And I'm telling you one, and I don't want to give away too much. I want you to figure out who it was. But it was, I'm telling you one blessing after the next. And had she moved, she would have missed the moment of miracles. It's like in that midnight hour, the enemy wants to pull us right out of his will. The enemy wants to pull us into our emotions. And if you will stay and you will pray and you will fast and you will seek counsel, now you have the wisdom of God. Proverbs says, eleven fourteen, where there is no counsel, the people fall. Why? Because in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Do you know this whole church is run on counselors? We have a team of people back there that we meet, and I get all the perspectives. I need their their point of view. I need how they see things. I need their experience. And then I take that, and I weigh it with the Holy Spirit. And then I go into prayer, and I go into fasting. I've sought my counsel. And then what? Wait for confirmations. Wait for confirmations. This is the hardest part is waiting. (laughs) Waiting is difficult. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Say, Lord, I want confirmation. Now, we know sin, things like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about making him the Lord of your life. Amen. Amen. Hard decisions. My hard decisions was to stay in places where I didn't want to stay. My hard places was um, being faithful when I didn't want to stay faithful. Wanting to quit when I wanted to quit. Those are places where we make him Lord. But those are places where the miracle shows up in our life. Amen? So pray about everything. Why wouldn't you want the counsel of the Holy Spirit in your life? Maybe because we don't want to hear what he has to say. That's usually the case. I have so many examples of my life. Um, Just trying to decide which one I want to share with you today. I think the one, and many of you have heard my story, but it's probably the most impacting um, was I was working in Florida at a Toyota dealership. I, long story short, but I drove a little Toyota. I couldn't get a job within 30 miles of where we lived. So I just got in my car, and I drove my little Toyota into Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte. Drove over this bridge, and there was a Toyota dealership. Listen, when God sets you up, he sets you up. I'm telling you, when you are under his lordship, you will walk right into the will of God. I'm just telling you, you will walk right into miracles of your life. So I'm driving over this bridge, and out of nowhere, I'm like, well, I got a Toyota, and that's a Toyota dealership. I'm like, hey, couldn't get a job for 30 days. I walk in. This is no joke. There's a whole line of girls sitting in this chair, these chairs. I didn't know why. I walk in. I walk up to the desk, and I'm like, hi, are you taking applications? And she's like, well, yeah, aren't you here for the interviews? And I said, no, I just drove a Toyota up and thought, Thought I'd try. And she goes, huh? She says, you know what, why don't you come with me? She bypassed me, all the girls who who already pre-put their applications in, brought me into a private room, hired me on the spot. Hired me on the spot. Then the next week, I got a promotion. Uh, and a race. I was doing something else. Then the next week, a promotion and a race. This is no joke. I became the executive secretary to the president of the Toyota dealership. And you know what? I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I didn't. I walked around with a coffee cup. I picked up his dry cleaning. I mean, but you know what? I made more money than my uncle as an electrician. I was making money in Florida. I mean, I'm in the sunshine and the beach. And I told Quinny the other day, we were out for lunch. And I'm like, I, this is so funny. It was only like 18. So, but um, all the car dealership guys, every day I had a free lunch. I got to go to lunch with the guy every day. But I told Quinny, but all they heard about was Jesus. And I made him pray for my food. You know how many unbeliever men actually prayed for the food? They're probably, if this gets me in the door, I'll put my foot in it. Hallelujah. I'll pray. But it's a fun time in my life. I, I really enjoyed it. And how many would say, that's God? Like, that was such a God moment in my life. And here I am, 18, and, and the Lord's showing himself Lord over my life, you know? And uh, then 30, or, excuse me, about three months later, my family comes to me. My parents have been praying about what they were going to do. They were also living in Florida at the time. And my dad comes to me and says, hey, um, the Lord told your mom and I, they have been fasting in prayer, we're going to go back to Beloit, Wisconsin, winter Wisconsin, and we're going to start a church. And I'm like, well, praise the Lord. Have a good time with that one. <laughs> And they're like, you're not gonna come. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna come. I'm like, I love Florida. I'm making all this money. I got cute dates every lunch. You know, free tan on the beach. Like, this is awesome living. And I had a good church, by the way, too. So, I just throw that one in there. Like, you know, at 18, that's not like high priority. Like, I love Jesus. You know, good-looking men, the beach. That's usually number, you know, one. Anyway. Um, but anyway, I'm like, wow. I should probably, no, I was sitting on our patio. I was just reading the Word, studying Scripture, and, and the Holy Spirit says, just, I don't know, I'm not even seeking God on it. And the Holy Spirit says, you're going to go to Wisconsin and start the church with your family. And if I could whistle, I was like, whoosh, whoosh. I, was like I did not hear the Holy Spirit say that. Nope. I ignored it. And then he came again and says, you're going to go back to Wisconsin. And I'm like, no. I don't want to go to Wisconsin. I don't want to start a church. I just don't want to do this. I'm living the high life, and the Lord says, you're going to go. Well, the Lord knows he always has my yes. It just took a little wrestling on that one, and I I decided to. I'm like, I'm going to throw it all away. I'm going to walk away, and we went to Wisconsin, and we birthed this amazing church that's still there today, beautiful ministry, and I worked for free for the first year. I made no money, didn't tell nobody. I'm in winter, Wisconsin, but my first um, four months that I was there, I decided to fly back to Florida and see my family. And so I went and saw my family and I'm like, I'm going to go to the Toyota dealership and I'm just going to go say hi to all my friends because I had made some really good friends. And so I'm driving over the Punta Gorda Bridge and as I'm driving over, there's like empty lots on both sides of the street. Now this is a prosperous Toyota dealership. And I'm driving over and there's not a car in sight. I'm like, what is going on? So I pull up to this little bitty building. It seemed huge at the time. It was this little bitty building, and there was a sign that it had went bankrupt and it was no longer in business. And I remember sitting there going, the Lord taught me my first lesson with him. You never make decisions based out of the natural. Because God knew that business was going out of business. He may have opened up Toyota just for me to work there. I don't know. I kind of feel like I have that on my life. God loves me so much. I'm being facetious, but hey, you know what I'm saying? But God knew, say yes to me. Let me try your faith. If you'll just trust me, if you just make me the Lord of your life, I'm gonna blow your mind. And guess what? I went, I would have had to leave anyway. I'd have lost it all anyway because God knew he needed me in winter Wisconsin for some reason to birth the church, to get here in 2023, to be a part of Faith Builders Church and all the thousands of lives we touched in that journey. Listen, you don't know what pays off at the end of your obedience to God. Lay down the garbage he's saying to lay down. Get rid of that sin and compromise in your life. Get it out. You don't have time to mess around. Make him be the Lord. He will be in control of every area of your life. And I just feel like I should prophesy this. God's going to restore some things back to your life. The moment you make him Lord, he's going to begin to bring back and circulate complete restoration in your life. It's coming because God will honor your obedience. He will honor your faith and your trust in him. Making him Lord is not easy. There'll be times you're going to cry. There's going to be times you're broken. There's going to be times you're frustrated, but you've made him the Lord of your life. And he will never leave the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. You will come out a winner. Say, "I'm I'm a winner if I follow the Lord. Amen. When you come under his lordship, you may feel like you're losing in the moment, but when you make him the lord of your life, you will win. You have to be willing to relinquish control. What time is it? Oh gosh, I got to go fast. Okay, we're going to talk about two levels very quickly this morning of lordship to Christ. There are two different kinds. Number one is partially surrendered life. There are people who are just partially surrendered. A little bit you've given to the Lord, and I've touched on this a little bit, but Luke 6.46 says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, same word, controller, same one, authority, and do not do what I say? You can't call me Lord if you're not obeying me. I may be your Savior, and you're going to get out of hell free card unless you don't stop sinning when the Holy Spirit's convicting you of it. Come on. going to say that. Because let's not candy coat this. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be in control of that. I'm just saying you have to seek the Holy Spirit. Amen. But I'm not partially. I can't call him Lord if I'm not obeying him. I can call him Savior, but I can't call him Lord yet. Lord, Lord, why do you call me? And you don't do... What I say, he says, I'm not looking for lip service in this hour. God says, I want life service. He says, I don't want you to talk the talk. It's time for the church to walk the walk. It's enough being passive in the kingdom of God. It's time to build the kingdom of God. It's time to get our work boots on and build something for Jesus. Amen. I want to look at Matthew 7 really quick. It says, therefore, whoever, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, does them, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Leave that there. When God speaks to you and you obey, what are you building? Your house on a strong foundation. The strong foundation comes when you obey him because when you make decisions out of his obedience, you're not building on a firm foundation. You're building on something that could fall through at any minute. The, the security I have at this church, no matter whatever it's gone through, God told me to be here. It's a sure foundation. It's built on the rock of God. It's built on faith and trust in Him. And when you make decisions, you can't partially do that. You have to fully, He said, if you put it into practice, you'll build the house on the rock. It's the next verse. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. Why do things fall? Because they're not built on the lordship in our life. Keep going. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. God, why did that happen? Why am I here? Why, why is this going on in my life? I'm losing it all. Go back to making him Lord. Somewhere God lost lordship in your life, lost lordship in your household. It's not to be under condemnation, but it's to get back under, I want your will, I want your way, and I want your plan, God. Because we can say, I believe in the Lord, but we don't trust him for everything. I believe in the Lord, but I still want to do whatever I want. I believe in the Lord, but I have to be in complete control. All the control freaks said, amen. They say, God, I might show up on Sundays, but you're not getting my Friday and Saturday. I'll do what I want on Friday and Saturday. I'll live. I'll be happy. I'll make those moments. Sin is fun for a season. You're not going to get my week, God. But I'll give you my Sunday. When you do it, you say, God, you have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You have every day of my life. My life is not my own. I will crucify this flesh. I will humble myself in, this, in the presence of God. God's our provider. We say, God, I want to trust you with my provisions, but there's no way we'll trust God to give 10%. percent have got to make him Lord. Is it hard to give 10%? Yes. It's not easy. Is it hard to give more when he asks for more? Yes. It's not easy, but he's Lord. And if he's asking it of me, I will trust him at his word, and I will make him the Lord even over my resources. Amen? So let me ask you this really quick. What have you not surrendered to the Lord? It's between you and the Lord. Pride, unforgiveness, pleasures of the flesh, God doesn't want us to be lukewarm, amen? All right, number two, this is what God wants for us, a fully surrendered life. Who knew Mary had a little, not Mary had a little lamb, away in a manger. It's kind of like equal, I mean, come on. They're both like for the babies. Like, this isn't like a happy away in a manger, (laughs) teaching. (laughs) Gotcha today. All right. Number two, fully surrendered life. How many want a fully surrendered life? We all do. Praise God. We all do, even though we struggle. The problem is, is that people want to date the church and not marry her. (laughs) I'm not looking at anybody. My eyes are closed. Hey, I have to preach this to myself, y'all. There's some Sundays I don't want to come either. I'd rather stay in my cozy jammies. Pastors, elders, you ever want to stay home on a Sunday? Come on but I'm married to the church. I'm showing up for her. I'm gonna love her to life. I'm gonna be there when she's hurting. And all of you who are married here today, the men, you bought your beautiful bride a a ring, and it cost you everything. Even if it was when you were 17, it was like 100 bucks. It was probably your everything, amen? It cost you everything. What did it cost her? Nothing it didn't cost her anything. He bought the ring. He made the sacrifice. He put it all in. Amen. But the moment she put the ring on, what did it cost her? Everything. There's a commitment now. I give you my life. These rings symbolize I'm married to you. The good, the bad, the ugly, the ups, the downs, the trials. And I know there's people here married, divorced. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the church. God wants you to stay all in even when life is hard. Don't just come when life is good. Come when it's hard. Come when it's painful. Come when you're hurting. Come when you're ashamed. Show up. Why? Because we're married. We're committed to one another. Amen? That's fully committed to God. I'll serve when I'm hurting. I preached so many times in this pulpit, my heart was wrenched out in a million pieces and you wouldn't even know it. Why? Because when the Lord becomes your Lord, it's not about you. It's about the lives you're going to touch and the lives you're going to change. Two weeks ago, I came in this pulpit walking sideways. I literally told my team, that like, I am walking sideways. I, my equilibrium was off. I said, you know what, God, the devil's not stealing. I told you, not stealing my worship. I'm going to go up there and preach my heart out. Devil's not stopping this word. And you know what? As soon as I started preaching, I was instantly healed. Gone. Didn't struggle with it since that day. Why? Because we're committed to each other. Well, they made me mad. I don't care. We're committed to each other. We're married, amen? I'm married to God. Once I got saved, that salvation was free. Thank you, Jesus. He paid the price. He bought the ring. But the moment I said yes, now I give him my all. I'm all in. The same sacrifice he made, I'm giving back to the one that I'm married to. I'm all in. All my my desires, all my fleshly addictions, all those things. I am married to God, and I don't have a free will. I have all the will to say, you are Lord of my life. I surrender my will when I come to Jesus. Amen? I no longer have rights to my own life. At least I wouldn't want them. We serve a risen Savior. How many are so thankful? We serve a King of kings and Lord of lords that's coming back. We're living in a time where it's time to serve God. It's time to be hungry for the things of God. You look at Proverbs 3 verse 5. It says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do you know that word Lord there when he's saying trusting, it isn't the same Lord as controller. He's saying trust in Jehovah. It's the highest acknowledgement of who he is. When you trust in Jehovah, I can make him the other Lord, controller of my life. The problem is we don't trust him. And the reason why we don't trust him is because we don't really know him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Pray, fast, counsel, confirmation. I'm in all my ways, and he will make your paths straight. He knows the path. He knows your children's way back to him. He knows financial resources for your life. He knows breakthrough. But the only way you can do that is to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. Know him for yourself. You can't know God through me and my great story. You need to have your own Toyota story. Amen? You need to have your own miracle moment, your own, you're just breathing air, and God shows up and you walk right into the will of God. That happens when he is Lord of your life. I want to close with this. The church needs a reverent fear of God again. We need a reverent fear of God. Back in the day, we still just been in the church a long time, us oldies. We're the pillars now, <laughs> trying to train and equip you youngins? But there was a righteous fear of God. We honored God's house. We weren't perfect. We honored God's authority. We, we walked in respect with one another, and we, we just honored God's house. We, we had a relationship with God. If he said, stop doing that, we did. If God said, serve here, we did. We didn't pray about it, did we? My dad would say, Pastor Paul and Jenny, go build a young adults ministry. Okay. No, no, no training. No manuals. You got everything on Google today. Y'all are lucky. We had no computers. Well, it was the dial-up AOL. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Paul, you're preaching on Wednesday night. He's never preached before. You're taking the midweek service. What? Lordship. Lordship lordship and many of you have done that in here we're going to challenge more of you amen but God wants the reverent fear that if he's convicted me of sin I'm going to stop it if he's convicted me of gossip and dissension I'm going to stop it the only submission you have is to the Holy Spirit that's it I'm not done God okay I'm almost done God give me one more minute He's like, send them home. <laughs> All right, let me close with this: the reverent fear of God. Matthew seven says this. This is a hard one, but you know what? It's the Bible. Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. Keep going. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I can tell you this this is not a comfortable scripture for pastors to bring because we want the easy salvation. We, we, we want to make you happy. We, we want to make life wonderful. But the truth is, do you know him as your Lord? Have you really submitted to him? Or have we come in and felt good enough just to get through service? I don't want us to be comfortable in this house. I don't, I don't want it to be an atmosphere of fear either. I want you to know my heart. We also have an accountability that God says, I need you to call me Lord now. I need you to get some things in your life that I'm there Monday showing up for you. You're you're reading my word on Tuesday. You're praying on Wednesday. You're seeking counsel or mentorship. You're getting in rooted if you need help. You're getting in celebrate recovery if you need deeper healing. We've made everything accessible to help you become who God's called you to be. We're here. We're trying to build the whole spectrum for you, but you have to make him Lord of your life. You do. You do. You have to say, God, when I gave my life to Jesus at 20 years old, I said, It's not my life, God. I counted the cost. See, salvation is a cost, it's free, but it costs you something. It means you got to get rid of some friends, you got to get out of some atmospheres, you got to shut down some things, you got to get in alignment with the Lord in your life and say, God, search my heart. Trouble my heart for the things that trouble you. If I'm lukewarm, you'll spew me out of your mouth. God, give me my fire back. Give me my hunger back. Give me my zeal for the house of the Lord back. That's a great deception that's hit this world. Great deception. But God is so much stronger than all of that. God is looking for his church to make him the Lord of your life. Amen. We want God to prove himself so we can trust him. And God wants us to trust him so he can prove himself. Amen. That's how it works. So I'm going to give you a chance this morning to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe you've been saved for a long time, and that's awesome. But maybe you haven't made him Lord. Lord, the center of all your decisions, the center of your convictions, the center of your servanthood, whatever it is, We're gonna give you that chance today to make him Lord and Savior. So I want you to close your eyes this morning. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Forgive me for apathy. Forgive me for being lukewarm. I'm asking God that you will stoke the flames of your spirit on the inside of me. Awaken my dreams, awaken my passion, and awake my conviction, in Jesus' name. With all eyes still bowed, if you said that prayer this morning, making him Lord, not just Savior, maybe both, But if you said that prayer and you meant it, I want you just to lift your hands up all over this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's lordship happening all over this room. Lordship, lordship everywhere. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for your fresh Holy Spirit over this church. We thank you, God, that you are the Lord in every situation. Give us peace and comfort to seek you, seek your will, and seek your plan. And Father, we thank you for the words of this message go into the soil of good heart trouble their hearts with the things that trouble you, God. Give them a heart of victory that they are overcomers and they are victorious. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said amen, amen and amen.